You're listening to Sunday Worship at Weddington Methodist Church. Find more ways to worship, fellowship, serve, study, and be supported at weddingtonchurch.org. I invite you to take your Bibles, if you will, and turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 7. The Old Testament book of 1 Samuel chapter 7 will begin at verse 3, where we read together. Then Samuel said to all the house of Israel, if you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, then put away the foreign gods and the Astartes from among you. Direct your heart to the Lord and serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. So Israel put away the Baals and the Astartes, and they served the Lord only. Then Samuel said, gather all Israel at Mizpah, and I will pray to the Lord for you. So they gathered at Mizpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord. They fasted that day and said, we've sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the people of Israel at Mizpah. When the Philistines heard that the people of Israel had gathered at Mizpah, the Lord of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the people of Israel heard of it, they were afraid of the Philistines. The people of Israel said to Samuel, Do not cease to cry out to the Lord God for us, and pray that he may save us from the hand of the Philistines. So Samuel took a suckling lamb and offered it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. Samuel cried out to the Lord for Israel, and the Lord answered him. As Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to attack Israel, but the Lord thundered with a mighty voice that day against the Philistines and threw them into confusion, and they were routed before Israel." And the men of Israel went out at Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and struck them down as far as Bethkar. Then Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Jeshanah and named it Ebenezer. He said, thus far the Lord has helped us. So the Philistines were subdued. And did not again enter the territory of Israel. The hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. The towns that the Philistines had taken from Israel were restored to Israel from Ekron to Gath. And Israel recovered their territory and the hand, from the hand of the Philistines. There was peace also between Israel and the Amorites. Will you pray with me? Almighty God, we are so grateful for your love and grace, and we ask once again that you would pour out your Holy Spirit. And now as I stand before these, your people, this is your church. So I pray that this would be your message and not my own through the name of Jesus the Christ. Amen. I love the season of Thanksgiving. It's actually one of my favorite holy days. It's that time when we pause for just a little while to give thanks to God. It's a time for us to pause and to remember. 
We'll gather together with our families, sometimes just one day, sometimes multiple days going different places. We, we will celebrate with a feast with so much to enjoy. But the important thing will be to pause. It's a time of thanksgiving. To take stock of all the blessings that we have received from our God and give thanks to God. It's a time for us to remember what Thanksgiving is about and how it started. How back in September of 1620, 102 people boarded a ship called the Mayflower to to head to find a new world, a place where they could have the freedom to worship God, the freedom to start a new land. But it was brutal. Many of them died. Over half of the people who were there died. And those who survived, they were weak, they were malnourished, they had experienced illness along the way, and illness that first winter, and grief with the loss of loved ones. There was so much pain, and they wondered, will we survive as well? And we celebrate the story of how the Native Americans helped them to be able then to farm the land and to be able to gather harvest, to be able to hunt and to catch the fish and to get sap from the trees. And when they had that first successful harvest, a year later in November of 1621, the governor proclaimed a feast that lasted for three days. And it became known as Thanksgiving. Now, one of the things that I have always found intriguing about that is that it wasn't after they had everything they ever wanted. It wasn't after their fine homes were built and and they had all these many blessings. They had just gone through one of the hardest years of their lives. And yet, they were able to pause and see In spite of all the pain, in spite of all the suffering, in spite of all the difficult times, we're alive. We're in a new land, and we will be able to provide a new life for our families. And they paused, and they gave thanks to God. You know, Thanksgiving is actually a choice that even in the midst of pain and difficult times, they were grateful to God. In 1 Samuel chapter 7, we'll see that Samuel pauses and he sets up a stone and calls it Ebenezer. Now, what's that story really all about? You have to kind of go back to the background a little bit. And, and that is, remember when the children of Israel were entering into the promised land and Joshua was leading them to the promised land? And, and, and about the time they were to settle it, he called all the people together and said, we need to talk. We need to have one of those serious conversations. I need you to hear me clearly. You have decisions to make. You may want to turn back in your Bibles to Joshua, Joshua chapter 24, and, and listen to what Joshua says to the people. Joshua says, as they're settling the land, now therefore, revere the Lord, verse 14, and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your ancestors served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Now, if you're unwilling to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the God of your ancestors served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're now living. 
But remember these famous words, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Now, do you remember the response of the people? They cried out, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord and serve other gods. For it's the Lord our God who brought us and our ancestors up from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and who did those great signs in our sight. He protected us along all the way that we went and among all the peoples whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites who lived in the land. Therefore, hear their commitment, we also will serve the Lord for he is our God. Well, Joshua was glad to hear the words. But he also warned the people. He said, now be careful. If you forsake the Lord your God, if you say you're committed and you forsake the Lord and you serve these other gods, then he will turn. He will turn and you will experience the consequences. Well, you know the rest of the story. Despite the warnings, despite the covenant, despite the, the memory, it was our God who led us out of the land of Egypt. Despite all those things, in spite of all that God had done for the people, they began to follow the gods of the land. They began to forget even began to mix their gods. Even though the commandments had said very clearly, you shall have no other gods, you'll have no other gods before me, the people started mixing their gods. They were mixing their faith with the faith of the people and it became chaos. Now, why would they be so tempted? Well, to keep the sermon PG-ish, the Canaanite gods had sexuality. As a matter of fact, for many of us, that tends to be the Achilles heel. And it was for the people of Israel. It was the thing that led them into temptations. They had the god Astartes, the goddess, who was the fertility goddess. And there are images of Astartes, again, who uh, has very pronounced parts of her anatomy that are designed to arouse that was something that people began to notice. There was Baal, who was the god of fertility, as well as the god of the storms. And, and again, there are images that you see from the time period that again had some very enhanced images to be able to draw people in. And so Israel began to follow you see it throughout the scriptures. For example, Judges chapter 2, verse 11. Then the Israelites did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and worshiped the Baals. And they abandoned the Lord, the God of the ancestors who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. They followed other gods from among the gods of the peoples who were all around them and bowed down to them. And they provoked the Lord to anger. They abandoned the Lord and worship Baal and the Astartes. You see it again in Judges 3, verse 7. The Israelites did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, forgetting the Lord their God and worshiping the Baals and the Astartes. Again in Judges 10, verse 6. The Israelites again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, worshiping the Baals and the Astartes. They abandoned the Lord and did not worship 
him. It was one of those temptations. It's a temptation as well we see today of the people of God today. We get sucked into the gods of the culture. We get to the values and the morals of the culture. And before we know it, we've mixed our gods or even abandoned our God. And wow, did Israel pay the price. We see it throughout their history God basically said to them, fine, if you want to trust the gods of the culture, good luck with that. See how it works because God knew those gods aren't real. They have no power. They have no authority. They only lead to destruction. Good luck with that. And the Philistines show up. They're a strong, intimidating group of people. They're sea people. They were skilled in metalwork with weapons and armor that they placed on themselves. You might remember with David and the Philistine giant. They had chariots. They were far advanced militarily over the people of Israel. They were so far advanced with their weapons and all that they had that Israel was terrified of the Philistines and they had been in continual battle. If you back up from the scripture that we just read in 1 Samuel, you'll find that the Philistines had actually captured the Ark of the Covenant, that symbol of God's presence among the people. They'd lost it all. Finally, the Ark is returned and Samuel, as we read, calls the people of God together. And just like Joshua, it's time to have a real conversation. One of those heart-to-heart, come-to-Jesus type conversations where he says, if you're willing, if you're willing to return to God with all your heart, then you've got to put away these foreign gods. You've got to direct your heart to the Lord and serve only him. Now catch that. If you're willing to return to the Lord, you have to do so with all your heart. Remember the great commandment? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, everything you've got. Walter Brueggemann is an Old Testament scholar who was at Columbia Theological Seminary where I did my doctoral work. And Brueggemann said, the heart is the organ of commitment and loyalty. He said Israel is to have a single heart, or the church, a single loyalty devoted only to Yahweh. When Israel's heart, or loyalty, turns from Yahweh to any other loyalty, trouble and death will surely come. Well... As Samuel has the people gathered together here in this conversation at Mizpah, the Philistines see that they've all gathered together. The lords of the Philistines come up and go, this is a great time to attack. They assemble. They're ready to attack the children of Israel. Israel, again, is terrified. And if you look again at 1 Samuel, verse 8, it says that the people of Israel said to Samuel, do not cease to cry out to the Lord our God for us. And pray that he may save us from the hands of the Philistines. Now they are turning to God. Cry, Sam, don't stop praying. Whatever you do, Samuel, don't stop praying. And he cries out to God and God answers him. Walter Brueggemann continues in his commentary on the section. He said, in the pattern of cry and answer, we're at the core of biblical faith. 
and one of the most characteristic acts of faithfulness. To cry to Yahweh is to acknowledge trust in and release in Yahweh. As Bart has seen, all true prayer is at its base petition. That is the proper human posture before God as one of trustful, honest need in which it's acknowledged that help must be given because the human person or the human community, Israel, lacks resources to secure life. The cry of Samuel at the behest of Israel, Brueggemann says, is an act of repentance, an act of acknowledgement, and therefore an act of rightly relating to God. And God heard Samuel's prayer. He heard the cries of the people. He heard the prayers of the people and God responded. It reminds us of Jesus' words in Matthew 7 verse 8 when he was on the Sermon on the Mount and he said, For everyone who asks receives, everyone who searches finds, and everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. I find some irony as well in the scripture. In 1 Samuel 7, verse 10, the scripture says, and as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to attack Israel. Now listen to this. But the Lord thundered with a mighty voice that day against the Philistines and threw them into confusion, and they were routed before Israel. Now the irony, I think, is that the, ba the god Baal is the god of fertility and of storms, of thunder and lightning. And, and so God, the one true God, thunders. And the people who follow this false god Baal, they are thrown into confusion and they're defeated right there. God makes it so clear who the real God is, who the real King is, who the real Lord is. And Samuel then, in verse 12, takes a stone and sets it up and names it Ebenezer. Ebenezer, which means the stone of help. And he said, for thus far, the Lord has helped us. And this stone became like an altar. It became like a reminder. God has helped us. God has been with us. It is God who delivered us. And it was to become a place of thanksgiving. Here I raise my Ebenezer. And let us never forget that. Now, there's a song that helps us remember this scripture. Some of you may know it just from what I just said, and it's, it's the song called Come Thou Fount. It was written by Robert Robinson. And, and Robert grew up with a very challenging life in England. His father died when he was young. He became one of those rowdy youngsters. He, he got caught up with the wrong crowds. He ran with rough crowds. Some even referred to it that he ran with a gang of hoodlums. 
His mother was exasperated, trying to figure out what do, what do I do? How do I help this child? So she sends him to London to become an apprentice for a barber, to learn how to be a barber. But he was a rough young man. And one day he goes, probably to do a little mischief, to a place where a Methodist evangelist by the name of George Whitfield is preaching. And as he listens to him, his heart is touched. His life has changed. And all of a sudden, he surrenders his life to God. Now, he continued to have his ups and downs. He continued to have temptations to wander away from God, just like the children of Israel had done. And knowing that story and reading that scripture from 1 Samuel 7, especially verse 12, he writes these beautiful words. Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet, sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the mount, I'm fixed upon it, the mount of thy redeeming love. I hear these words. Here I raise my Ebenezer, hither by thy help I'm come. And I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God. He, to rescue me from danger, interposed his precious blood. All oh, to grace, how great a de debtor daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Thanksgiving is a wonderful time of the year. It's a time for us to pause. It's a time for us to remember. It's a time for us to take stock of our lives. It's a time for us to have one of those genuine, real conversations with ourselves and God. Maybe with ourselves and our family. Maybe with ourselves and our church. Where have we had a wandering heart prone to leave the God we love like the children of Israel and like most of us? This is a time for us to turn to God, a time for us to raise our Ebenezer, to set up that stone in our lives in our homes, and our churches, to be reminded thus far, the Lord has helped us. Thanks be to God. Happy Thanksgiving. Amen.